this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight back talking Doctor Who Series 11, the penultimate episode of Series 11, Episode 9, called It Takes You Away. Ben, we're already really super close to the end of this series. It feels like it just started. Yeah, it's gone past um, very quickly. I mean, it's a short season. Um... Only 10 weeks, yeah. It's you know, uh, it's 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 been a a journey. It's uh, it sure has. You know, um, it's had highs, it's had lows. I'll tell you uh, what. Yeah. This episode, there was a lot I loved about this episode, mm. and then there were moments in this episode that had me legitimately questioning if there was anything as trippy as this episode during the seventy, like the sixties or the seventies. <laughs> era of Doctor Who because this felt like something that came straight out of like uh like uh, like those Tom Baker 70s uh, Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know what was going on. It it had a in fact it's one of the first things that um that I said when I was watching is it felt so much like a 70s episode. Whew. I mean, let's talk about it. It's pretty bonkers. Uh the Doctor and her companions land in a rural er- uh, area of Norway, because, you know, why not? Hmm. In 2018, they find a small cabin nearby. Inside, they discover a blind girl named Hannah. Uh, is it Hannah? Uh, I kept the, hearing Hannah. Or is it... the the um, Yeah, Hannah. So it's, it's H-A-N-N-E is the... Um, the Norwegian. Norwegian. But yeah, so yeah. it's Hannah, yeah. Uh, she's worried about her father, Eric, who's gone missing four days ago, fearing that something outside of the cabin hunted him down. Uh, she notes that her mother has passed away, Trini, some years ago. Uh, it's the whole reason they moved away from Oslo to begin with. Uh, so, Team Tardis, they search around the cabin. They race back inside when they hear a mysterious roar. Uh, exploring the cabin further, they find an upstairs bedroom with a mirror that does not show their reflections. The doctor, of course, uses her sonic on the mirror, discovering that it is, in fact, a portal. She has Ryan stay with Hannah, while she, Graham, and Yaz enter it to further investigate. Within the space behind the mirror is a strange cave-like structure. The doctor uses uh, some high-tech string to... Uh, kind of breadcrumb their way through this cave. Uh, they run into a creature that calls himself Ribbons of the Seven Stomachs. A great name, if there ever was one. Oh, yes. That actually also sounds like a name that came straight out of, like, 70s Doctor Who. 
as well. I don't know why. Uh, who explains this area is an anti-zone, a space created by the universe to act as a buffer if some catastrophic event was about to occur. Ribbons also warns them of the flesh moths who will eat them alive. Unlike normal moths who tend to eat through clothes, they like to eat through skin and muscle and such. Seems legit. It's actually kind of horrifying for for me. I I hate flying bugs. I hate them. I hate them so much. Especially disarming ones like moths that can be very fluffy and adorable looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, hard pass on those. Uh, so... Anyway, aside from the flesh moths, uh, he's like, okay, I will, uh, I will take you to where you need to go. So, uh, in a, well, in a trade, okay, so Ribbons will take them to go find Eric, but if the doctor trades her Sonic, uh, there's a conflict sort of about this whole thing. He wants the Sonic. The doctor isn't going to give it to him. This happens that have ribbons gets eaten by a bunch of moths. Uh, he's. I was dead. looking forward to hearing you explaining this plot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's going well. You, you keep going. Come on. Come on. This happens. That happens. He's eaten by moths. Uh, the others escape through another nearby portal, finding themselves back in the upstairs bedroom. But something is amiss. This is the same bedroom, but it's not. Meanwhile, Ryan discovers that someone has set up speakers outside of the house. Those are the source of the roars. Seems like there really isn't a monster out there. Uh, He goes back inside to tell Hannah, but she knocks him out. Hannah is tired of waiting around. She wants to go find her dad. Uh, She follows the doctor and the others through the mirror. When Ryan wakes up, uh, he finds Hannah missing. He also enters the mirror and eventually finds Hannah uh, meandering through the caves and helps protect her from the flesh moths. But uh, she runs through uh, another portal before he is cut off from it. So this portal that the doctor, Graham, and Yaz discover, uh, they also discover Eric. Just hanging out, making some breakfast. Not unlike James T. Kirk in Star Trek Generations, Ben. Absolutely. Keep bringing up these Star Trek references any chance I get. Uh, I like it. He's sort of segueing into what happens when Who Made Who finishes. <laughs> I mean, that is that is what we're going to segue into when Who Made Who finishes. So, yep. uh, but you know what? Eric is not alone. Trini is there as well. Uh, at first, everybody, I think, seems to think that maybe they're in another dimension or some multiverse type thing going on here. Uh, they're not entirely too far off. The doctor quickly deduces that Trini is not really real, but appears so to Eric, luring him to this place. Uh, and Eric used the monster noises to prevent Hannah from following him. Great parenting. Uh, Graham goes outside to find... Grace is also there. Of course, she's dead, but she seems really real to Graham. The doctor determines that they have come upon a silent energy, a sentient energy, not a silent energy, a sentient energy, the solar tract. So this is a story that the doctor has heard from her gran, one of her seven or eight, uh, a, a bedtime story. Uh, Yaz was actually horrified that this was a bedtime story, but 
Uh, basically, the cell attract is a, a sentient, not just an energy, but kind of its own universe. And yeah. it just wants to be with everything else. It wants to be a part of everything else. But something different about the solar tract, it makes it incompatible. It can't exist with our universe. It can't exist with the beings that live in it. Uh, so it's kind of exists in its own dimensional plane on its own. Uh, the solar tract wanted to interact with humans and took forms it thought that they would find pleasing. Just then, Hannah races through the portal when Eric tells Hannah that uh, her mother is here. But Hannah, because kids are smarter than we give them credit for, Ben, recognizes that she is not really her mom. Uh, the building starts to shake, which the doctor attributes to the Solotrack trying to handle more than one real person at a time, and its universe is on the verge of collapsing. The doctor finds the portal in the mirror closed and begs the Solotrack to let them return. Uh, turns out, though, that some of these people get under the Solotrack's skin. Yaz, Hannah, others. And they kind of force put the Solotrack being sort of push them, force push them back through the mirror. And uh, the doctor sort of figures that this is the way they're going to get out. Uh, he eventually gets Graham to turn on Grace, although it is exceedingly difficult for him to do this. But he realizes it's not really Grace, because Grace would have wanted him to protect Ryan. Instead, she says, oh, Ryan will be fine on his own in that uh, anti-zone cave thing with the flesh moths. Uh, he figures out pretty quickly that that is not really or grace or not something grace would do so he gets pushed back uh eric gets pushed back and it's just the doctor and the the solo tract universe thing and that's when things get super weird everybody <laughs> oh yeah uh the universe fills with a bright light the doctor self at first finds herself alone walking in between um, some columns or pillars or something and then it just yeah. goes straight. They just went for it, Ben. There's a clearing ahead. And there's a white chair. And sitting upon this chair, a frog, wait, Ben. Wait, Oh, I was going to say, wait. Sitting on that chair, was there, like, either Grace again or, or somebody that the Doctor had lost? Or one of those other really good ideas that might have made some fucking sense? It was Rose Tyler or, or Donna Noble. Yeah, or... pretty much anyone except a frog. Yeah, or Bill. Anybody. Why not? Yeah. There's a frog. But not not Danny Pink, obviously. No, not Danny Pink. <laughs> but there is a frog, Ben. You get half your wish. Has Grace's voice. True. And this frog, which is uh mostly a a kinda not great puppet. Yep. Uh like the eyes, they digitized the eyes. The eyes looked good. But when this frog, yes. as soon as this frog's mouth started moving, I'm like, uh, oh, this, I mean, if you're going to do a, if you're going to do a frog, it needs to be some sort of like telepathic frog and you can just hear its thoughts and not move in Hypno its mouth. Hypnotoad. Yes. That's it should have been. But no, this frog was straight out of 70s Doctor Who with a really bad moving puppet mouth <laughs> that did not really line up with the words that were being said. Anyway, uh... This is the form the Celotract is comfortable taking. The Doctor tells the frog universe thing that she would love to... That sounded so weird, but not as yeah. weird as it looks, everybody. 
that she would love to stay and learn a lot about it, learn so much more about it, but its universe is still in danger. Even uh, keeping the doctor there by herself, it is still in danger of falling apart. And she urges it to let her go. The solo tract, having been lonely, but not evil, agrees, uh, agrees to do so, promising to dream of the doctor traveling in her universe. Uh, the doctor and her companions... And Eric and Hannah are safely back home. They've made it through the anti-zone, back into the real world. And uh, the Doctor shatters the mirror. Eric decides that he and Hannah will return to Oslo, having finally gotten over Trini's death. And uh, before departing themselves, Ryan and Graham talk about seeing Grace again. And Ryan comforts him and calls him Granddad for the first time. Which was a genuinely very nice scene. Uh... So, Ben, this is a little all over the place here. What did you think of It Takes You Away? <sighs> what the hell happened there? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a 70s episode, and I don't know why they suddenly decided to do a 70s episode, but they did. Oh, yeah. Um, the scene where you first uh, encounter Ribbons, who incidentally is played by the fantastic man known to all British people as the actor Kevin Eldon. Um, <laughs> he's always referred to as the actor Kevin Eldon. Is there another um, famous Kevin Eldon? No, he is simply the actor Kevin Eldon. Uh, it's a joke to do with a comedy show in the 90s, um, confusingly for American listeners as well, called This Morning with Richard Not Judy. Again, every British person will know what that's a reference to. Yeah, It's like a double down on British in this episode. Um <laughs> Kevin Eldon, incidentally, is you will know him from a million things. Go and look at his IMDb and see all the shit you've seen him in that you have no idea that that's who it is. Oh, um, yeah, like he was in Hot Fuzz. Uh, I yeah, actually yeah. kind of... Uh, I, I didn't recognize him in makeup, but seeing him out of makeup, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, he was he in was Game in of Thrones Fuzz. in the last series as well. Um, oh, was he? he? Yeah, yeah, he was in the theater troupe um, that were doing Oh, the... that played Ned Stark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, but like he—he's—he's he's like um, Phil K. He's one of these actors who is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, but completely wasted. I mean, the, the character Ribbons was fun, and he was—he was—he um, was entertainingly written, I guess. Uh, yes, but, not much there. Uh, yeah, and it's a shame because I—I I don't know whether Kevin Eldon's been in Who before. Actually, I've, I've literally no idea. Um, mm. It doesn't appear he, that he's been, but. No, which is weird. I mean, that feels like a weird oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would. I'd like to see Eldon back. Actually, uh, sorry, I've, I've gone kind of into him. Uh, it was great to see um, Sharon Clark about uh, back again as as Grace. Um, yeah. it, it, it was just a bloody weird episode. They so kind of weird. did this kind of Scandinavian noir thing mixed with like a very odd plot device. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I like this episode. I was just quite confused by it in places. Uh, I really like this episode all the way up until the frog thing, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I will say this. I It was nice to see, like you said, Sharon Clark as Grace, but she had to play this, like, muted, otherly Grace so you know that something's not quite right with it. Yeah. Because it wasn't like... She wasn't actually playing Grace. She was playing this not-quite-right copy of Grace. Uh, yeah. So, 
it was nice Which to see did, her back. She did pretty well, actually. She did. Yeah. Uh, but you uh, can totally tell, like, that's not quite Grace. Uh, but yeah, for the most part... <laughs> okay, so aside from Eric's, like, really questionable parenting in this episode, like... Yeah, what a douchebag. Highly questionable. I mean, he was wearing a Slayer shirt in 2018. So... I noticed that. Bless him, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that look, that's not to make a statement that anybody who likes Slayer might be a questionable parent. Hey, I, I like Slayer and I don't have kids. I think we can all draw conclusions from that. <laughs> oh, perhaps. I'm not sure what those are, but I'm pretty sure we can. <laughs> um, yeah, I it thought was... Graham was... Um, actually, I thought all of the, the team... Tar- In fact, actually, I'll, I'll say this about it. Hmm. This is probably the first time we've had an episode where the balance between Doctor and companions, Team TARDIS, uh, they've all been equally part of the narrative. Because um, yeah. we complained, I think we were complaining last week that, uh, you know, that it was solely about the Doctor, whereas prior to that, there'd been so many episodes which were only really about the mm-hmm. companions and the Doctor was also present. This is a really well-balanced episode. It's a really okay. well-written episode. Ed, uh, Ed Heem has written... Um, Oh, what's he? What's he known for? He wrote Skins or some some parts of Skins anyway, which I think got a an airing in the US. Um, he he's obviously a, a bit of a kind of um, sort of rising talent uh, type writer, and I, I like what he's done here. I did think the the solar track is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of a sort of sentient universe reaching out to be part of another universe because it's lonely um, is it is well, it's it's twisted and brilliant and weird and um and all those things yeah um the idea of manifesting it in a badly uh done puppet frog is just ghastly um, bonkers i mean it's utterly insane and i i like the fact that was supposed to be i think he was writing it as a punchline and i get that but wow this would have been a really good opportunity to throw something in the fans direction in the penultimate episode of the season to have somebody in a brief scene with the doctor who meant something to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that was a missed opportunity, and I think it would have given um, the... I think it would have given the whole thing just a, a, a slightly more mature feel to it, which a lot of the rest of the episode had. The, the end of it kind of just kind of felt wrong. Yeah. Um, again, the I agree with you wholeheartedly about the idea of the the sentient universe that's so different that it's it's empty and its loneliness makes it want to be with others. I again I thought that was I was totally in this all the way uh, <laughs> until that weird bit at the end. Like Jen and I just kept looking at each other like, "What is happening?" What the actual fuck? Yeah, yeah, we had the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and. I will. I, I was having a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, I will give them credit. This took, for me, from my perspective, this took guts. This took balls to be like, you know what? Let's do this. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just do it. And then they did it. Uh, I will give them credit for the try. Do you think someone was there though when they were setting up that last thing? Going, I mean, like, really? Can we? Maybe replace the frog with surely someone somewhere. Yeah. I thought, how could nobody have dumb. thought like? Because you know what, when the frog's mouth is not moving, it's not that bad looking. So if you'd I done guess. like telepathic frog, which would have been super weird, but not much weirder than what they were already doing. 
but a sentient universe took the frog idea from um, something that meant something to Grace and Graham, yeah, and yeah. gave it its actual real life form, and then. I mean, I suppose you can get around that, oh, well, it didn't look realistic because it was the other universe approximation of it, but the other universe had managed to approximate literally everything else practically perfectly, so that's dumb. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't understand why it would appear to the Doctor in, in this manner. It just makes no sense. Part of me wonders if they tried to maybe get somebody, but they couldn't. They couldn't for whatever reason, and they had Sharon there, and they're like, well, we'll just use her voice for this, and, you know, I... That seems, I mean, uh, to me, an ideal situation would have been a past companion. Mm. Uh, any, I mean, any of them from recent times would and, have been. Well, and they could have even got one who had died in a previous, um, you know, as in like proper died. Because then there would be a reason why they were coming back older as the universe had approximated what they would look like now. Yeah, or, uh, uh, well, who's died? Amy and Rory, they've died. Uh, well, yeah, but you could even go further back than that if you want. You can oh, if you wanted to, to go like in a old for school, an older one, yes. yeah, get Bonnie Langford in there or Sophie Aldridge or someone. You know, there were so many options. I mean, and if you still wanted to do bizarre, you could do a past incarnation of the Doctor talking yeah. to herself. That you um, see again, that would have been really funny if they, if they they'd got Colin Baker. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Approximation. And she's like, I wouldn't have turned into that if I stayed alive. Wow, there are so many better ways I could end this episode. Damn it, Chibnall! <laughs> oh. Um, I mean, if they wanted to do funny, that would have been that would have been actually quite funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, I will give them minor points for the very bold choice, but. Uh, like, in some ways, it kind of works a little, but in, for the most part, it's just weird. It's just really strange. Uh, I mean, uh, look, I, I'm sure this is an aspect... I'm sure there's some people that are like, you know, finally, they've brought some strangeness back to Doctor Who. Uh, and I will admit that it has been missing... that something this strange has not happened in a long time. Oh, so like last week where they brought the fear back, this week they're bringing back the strange. Hmm. Yeah. You could have. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that is a decision. I mean, I mean that set, the set with ribbons, um, mm. looks like a classic seventy-two. Like the weird lighting. Um, yeah. The, you know the dry ice. It, it was all really deliberate. The rocks uh, that aren't rocks. Oh, that's yeah. Amazing. I expected Tim Roth to come running through there. I mean, it was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the I, I, it could have been a brilliant. I mean, that's why another reason why the the old companions um, yeah. in their current guys, because if you want to make it a big nod to the seventies and eighties, who then go the whole way. Yeah, and can you imagine the excitement that that would have reignited at this point in this season of Who? Mm-hmm. That would have been one for the fans, Chibnall. It could, I mean it. <sighs> It came back around after this. I mean, okay, so hold on. To to cap it all off, the way that the Sullatract had been sending people back was like this force push. The mm. frog force pushes her. Like it raises that. its like it raises its frog paw thing. Yeah, what what are we, what are we going for? That paw? Uh I don't know uh, I don't know what they I don't know what they call them on frogs, but yeah. he raises his frog hand. And I don't is like, know frogs. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Yoda. 
It's <laughs> just boom and force pushed her back. That was a laugh out loud moment in, in, in my living room. Uh, it was just so goofy. Uh, that I think may have been the thing that made me come around a teeny bit on it because it was just so ridiculous that I'm like, I how can you not have a chuckle at that? Uh, but then uh, it kind of came back around. They did this really nice bit at the end with Ryan and Graham that I thought was really, really sweet. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, he still doesn't have his, his fist bump, but... Uh, One step at a time, though, huh? Yeah, Ryan's been calling him Graham this whole season. Doesn't, he is not his original grandfather, so, you know, he hasn't taken to calling him that, and this is the episode where he finally does. So it was really nice. Uh, mm. I, I did have a hard time figuring out what I was going to score this episode because <laughs> I I just don't know. Like any score I give is going to feel too weird based off of this weird frog thing. I'm either going to feel like I'm rating it too high because of the frog thing, or it's rated too low. Should we give this low. like a an actual score and then a if they swap the frog for something better score? <laughs> um. Okay, well, tell me your tell me your with frog score, Ben. Uh, score on three. Okay, so I actually I like I said I loved this episode so much all the way up until the frog, and then I even liked afterwards. Uh, so I yeah. actually I actually had this episode sitting at a four, but I don't know. Uh, like I said, it feels weird because I feel like I'm grading it too high because of how weird the frog thing was. But for the like the frog thing is only like a few minutes of this episode, and I like the rest of it. Uh, so I don't know. I'm sitting at a four. But if a if the frog were replaced by uh, something more meaningful, then oh, then like four and a quarter. Yeah, um, and depending on who it was for me, I could see it going anywhere from being. Uh, it could be even four, a little higher, yeah. Yeah, four and a half, four and three quarters. It really depends on uh, who else they could have put in there. And I will be yeah. curious uh, to see if in the future some stories come out of, like, oh, we tried to get people. Uh, but uh, scheduling conflicts were abound and we weren't able to get anybody. That's uh, a very good point. I, I, that would be interesting to know if the frog was an afterthought. They tried in to which get case, Eccleson. I was about to say, in which case, you know what, if that frog was an afterthought, depending on how late in the day that was, that may get bumped half a mark for me already just for, okay, we can't, we can't get the person we've wanted. Okay, but we've got to, we've got to get this uh, finished today. Uh, what should we do? Uh, let's have a fucking frog. Let's have a frog, man. It's been staring us in the face. Let's have a frog. Yeah, let's, frog do, a, it is. let's do a frog puppet and uh, we'll ask Sharon if she's willing to go do some voiceover work for it. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor, can you, can you make a frog puppet? Frog, yeah, frog. Yeah. You've no, got, not a good a one. No, we don't. Not, no, just a... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, we got a frog. Yeah, why not? That could be fun. We'll CG the eyes. Well, that's where we'll spend the money. Uh, <laughs> it was super weird. Everybody. Can we get the actor Kevin Eldon to do the voice? No, that's too weird. Uh, that was very bizarre. But it really was. <laughs> it was so bizarre that I can't tell if it's bizarre, bad, or bizarre, charming. I have literally no idea. Uh, this feels um, like this feels like a time will tell thing. We'll see how it. We'll see how we feel about it in in as time goes by, maybe. Um, I suppose. 
I, I have... that would that would be very interesting if it turned out to be um, uh, what do you call it a, a, a last minute decision. I haven't actually oh, inter- actually haven't gone reading to see what other people are saying about this episode, so I'm really eager to go read some other thoughts because I don't well, know what Ke- any of them are. The actor Kevin Eldon has been in Doctor Who, kinda. Oh, okay. Um, in two thousand and one. Uh, he was in Death Comes to Time, which is the webcast uh, thing that they did. Ah. Uh, so it's five episodes on BBC iCult website. Does that count I... as canon? Um, it's a BBC product, I guess. Uh, so he plays Antimony in that, if anybody uh, listens to that. I'm just looking through his um, his history here. He really has been in... Like everything. Yeah, like a million things. Oh, so... I mean, Sorry. I don't see why he couldn't have been the frog. Well, you know, why not? He, do you know what his his current long running gig is? No. I like, I love the fact that he's the voice of Penfold in the rebooted animation series of Danger Mouse. Oh my goodness, Danger Mouse! Yeah, ah, that's a. I haven't heard that. Wow, oh, that got rebooted in twenty fifteen. Oh, if you did, oh now, if you didn't know that, the current cast of Danger Mouse. Uh, you got Alexander Armstrong is Danger Mouse. It's got Kevin Eldon, the actor Kevin Eldon, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Fry, um, yeah. uh, Ed, what's his name, Goan or whatever his name is, um, Sean McDonald. Um, I can't remember who else is in it, but some other people too. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the actor Kevin Eldon is Penfold, uh, and it is. It used to be, I think it was on ITV, but I think it's moved to the BBC now. So if you have. Um, legitimate access of course to iPlayer you will find it on the CBBC um, section of that uh, do you know what it's not as bad as you might imagine if you have a fond memory of the um, the good quality of writing on Danger Mouse back in the 80s uh, mm. you probably won't be too disappointed it's not quite as good but uh, it's stayed in the same vein well my, my sensibilities to writing in the 80s are not nearly as attuned as they are now but uh, oh danger mouse was awesome because it didn't talk down to, to to kids yeah it didn't dumb anything down neither did ducular of course which is to the same people this is um, quite the tangent we've rolled off of by yeah, the way sorry <laughs> it's, it's cause i've been at a bloody conventional weekend full of people going on about the 80s uh, I, I was yes. talking to brigitte nielsen you can't get much more 80s than that no you cannot uh okay so uh, we did do, we did do the scores. Okay, we did our frog and non frog scores. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, before we take off, a big thank you to our sponsors, Adam Tickets, CinemaGeekly dot com slash Adam Tickets, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Pick yourself some movie tickets or gift card for the movie fan in your life. I'm gonna take a moment here to kind of like take in the title of the series finale here to. See if I can guess how to pronounce it properly, since it's a bunch of made-up words. Hang on. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, go on then. Uh, I mean, you can... We'll figure out no, how no, close you, I am at you, the end. You, you go ahead. You go with that. <laughs> you're, you're unsure? Uh, we'll just we'll just go with my American sensibilities on it. Um, all right. So, outside of the Adam Tickets thing, if you're hanging out on cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of this show. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. That way you can hear us come back next week. Talk about Doctor Who, Series 11, the finale episode, Episode 10. 
Ben, are you ready for this pronunciation? I'm having no part of this. You go for it. Uh, I'm going to say it's the Battle of Renscor of Kolos. Eh? Well, I mean, that's not what they say locally, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Renscor yeah. of Kolos. <laughs> <laughs>